0: Welcome back to the Converge podcast. We are back from our podcast sabbatical, and we are here to help you uh, live a Christian life in a non-Christian world where doctrine and mission converge. We are here today... Podcast to talk about a a specific issue that's going on in culture today. But we want to focus not on the issue at large of LGBTQ agendas, but rather we want to talk about protecting your kids uh, from the LGBTQ revolution that is necessarily happening in culture and is certainly happening in government schools right now. And so while this podcast, I think, will be helpful to a lot of people, specifically, I think it's going to be the most helpful to parents.
1: Absolutely. Um, you can't turn on the news if you're paying attention these days and not see some kind of gender insanity or LGBTQ craziness. So just want to kind of address, how do we protect our kids from that? And like have an understanding. Turn on the news and you see that um, a a man pretending to be a woman is winning swim races at the national collegiate level. Yeah. It's not normal, it's not okay and it doesn't not affect our kids. So that's just one of dozens of things we could pull from current events that we don't have to do all that, but we're just saying I think everyone knows this is a pressing issue and we need to talk about how it affects our kids.
0: Yeah, and I want to I want to give some qualifications um that we are not going to tease out um but right off right off the top I I know that Some people kind of avoid answering certain questions, and I want to answer them straight up front. This is coming with the presupposition that homosexuality is a sin against God, it is a blasphemy against God, and that gender identity is necessarily assigned at birth, but it Beyond that, the reason it's assigned at birth is because God, in the beginning, in Genesis 1, created male and female, and God, in Genesis uh, 2, ordained heterosexual marriage between a man and a woman for a full lifetime. Therefore, transgenderism is sin, homosexuality is sin. Anything that deviates Uh, from God's original design for male and female is necessarily sin. And so I I wanted to just kind of get that out there right up front, because right now, um, you know, I would say evangelical celebrities are walking back their convictions on this. Um, A few years ago, J.D. Greer, uh, who was president of the Southern Baptist Convention for a while, and he's a smart guy. He he he's not he's not he's not dumb, but he foolishly made the statement that the that the Bible whispers about sexual sin, and it said he screams about greed or something like that—a completely foolish, unbiblical statement. The Bible does not whisper about sexual sin. Um, from the beginning, Jesus says in Matthew 19, uh, God has ordained marriage to be a specific way. Um, Leviticus is clear. Deuteronomy is clear. Jesus is clear in Matthew. Yes, he speaks on uh, the issue of homosexuality being a sin by sanctifying heterosexual marriage. Uh, Paul is clear in Romans. He's clear in 1 Corinthians. He's clear in um, all of his epistles, really. He he talks about sexuality in some way, shape, or form. Uh, John is clear in the book of Revelation about sexual sin as well. And so From Up front, we need to be clear that if you think we're a couple of ignorant fundamentalists because we believe the Bible, that's fine, but we're right. And the apologetic that some people are espousing that the way in which to get homosexuals, the way in which to get transgendered to believe the gospel is just by convincing them that we're really nice and we're going to be super nice about it is going to be a failure Um, And it's misunderstanding what is actually going on in society. And that is what we want parents to be woefully um, clear on.
1: Yeah, I think one of my goals for this, and I think yours too, is that parents would take this more seriously. We're not taking it seriously enough. We're not taking the level of degeneracy and sin uh, of that sin serious enough. And it's going to have downstream consequences for our kids. Scripture is very clear. And also the other thing is human society, up until just 10 minutes ago, has even been clear about this. So we're not, you know, yeah, we're going to be accused of being bigots, Christians in your workplace, at your school, wherever you are, you hold to biblical sexual ethics. You're going to be accused of bigotry, but um, we're on the right side of history. Like history has been clear, both in the church and just for society in general, that um, deviant sexual tendencies are hugely problematic on top of being gross sin before god.
0: Yeah, and the slippery slope uh what some people call the slippery slope fallacy has i think in many issues shown to not be a fallacy because mm-hmm. of the way that it works yeah. out, you know, we will make the statement, man, well if if you open the door to this today, 5 years from now it's going to be descended into even more deviancy. Yeah. And it has proven over time that that is correct. I mean, I read an article last night which is uh, pointing out that they believe pedophilia is now a genetic predisposition. And the minute that they start labeling something a genetic predisposition is a way in which they try to get society at large to accept it. And the ones that are going to accept it the most are those with a doctorate in education, which has proven to be nothing more than a political uh, degree. And so in the schools, teachers are going to be aggressively seeking to proselytize and disciple your children towards these sexually deviant agendas. It's been proven time and time again. Yeah.
1: I think good thing for kind of starting this conversation is just to give us some stats to think about the cultural cliff that we have gone over recently because this is recent. And that's one th- I talked to to some parents about this and they don't seem to grasp how things have dramatically changed even in the last 5 years, yes, in the last 10, 15, 20 it's been happening, but we have recently completely gone over a cliff. And one of the most interesting studies I have recently seen is from Barna. And if you know anything about you kind know, of the Christian world, George Barna is legit. He's been doing research for a long time. This is not Uh, a kook by any means. And he recently did a survey that came back that 40% of Gen Z identified as LGBTQ in some way. That's a crazy number. And I think it would surprise people. People would hear that stat and think no way that's true. But talk to anyone who is kind of in tune with high schools, middle schools, and they'll tell you, yeah, that doesn't surprise them. And Here's a couple of things that I th- I'd like to get your thoughts on that too. But when I see that stat, what that just says to me is cultural insanity. Do I mm-hmm. actually think these kids know what they're saying when they respond on that survey? Right. No, I don't. But what I know is the culture is so insane that they think it is better to identify as some kind of deviant sexuality. I don't think most of them have actually experienced that, mm-hmm. but I think they have watched a lot of media. I think they have consumed a lot of pressure from those in authority, that somehow their life is going to be more meaningful because they identify with that sin. That's a huge problem. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, the pressure to fit in is what causes uh, the statistical shift amongst adolescents. History has proven that to be absolutely true. And when you look at a number like 40%, you know if you, you know, say you're in your 40s like like I am and you're you're almost there, but you're in your 40s and you look back at school you know that it wasn't 40 No. percent. all right it, it wasn't anywhere near it wasn't that wasn't one percent no yeah it, it, that that was unheard of even in contemporary uh, just history just very recent just past and one interesting thing to point out is is that when you look at a number that grows to that level where culture is concerned it's not because of a biological reality right. going on. It's not because, you know, the, the old adage, they were born that way. Right. It is peer pressure, it is a social contagion. More and more people choose to do that because they want to be unique, they want to have a, a, an identity that people will think is cool. And so when you are a teenager, when you're an adolescent, one of the greatest pillars of your life is fitting in. Yeah. And so if everybody's gay, I must be gay. You know, if if other people are identifying as a different gender, I must be a different gender. And that is specifically why so many of them, you're not hearing them say, I am a homosexual. The vast majority of them are, I am a bisexual. That bisexuality is actually a cry for help because they at least know in their minds, well, no, I am attracted to the opposite sex, but in order to fit in, I have to also claim this other identity. And One of the most important things that parents can do when it comes to this, because you send your kids out there, they're going to come home with these identities, they're going to come home with these things, is you have to hold your ground not in just saying, oh, well, that is a sin. Because if you just look at them and say that is a sin, you might be right because you are saying something that is true, Mm -hmm. but it's far more helpful for you to just look at them and say, no, you're not. No, you're not. You, you are not. You don't even think that you are. Always instill the reality of what they are.
1: So I think the point about this being a social contagion is such an important thing to kind of talk about a little bit more so that parents understand what they're dealing with. Um, yeah, the the narrative of Born This Way has been destroyed. Now, ironically, they are still trying to do that with transgenderism, but they're not trying to do that so much with transgenderism. Uh, just homosexuality, bisexuality, because the numbers won't allow it. You mm-hmm. cannot have that skyrocketing increase in percentages and still maintain born this way. Um, not consistently, although not that they care about that. But the idea that this is a social contagion, that and, and there's many studies that show this, that especially with young girls. If young girls know a transgender friend or know a friend that has come out in some way, They're just an amazingly percentage higher likely to do that themselves. And so parents need to understand it is not enough merely to present factual truth to their kids. Although, as you just said, they need to do that. But they actually have to protect their kids from that social contagion. Mm -hmm. There's no way around this without actually proactively protecting your kids from catching social contagion you can't merely do it with words alone and it's just something that I really want parents to understand from this podcast
0: yeah when I when I was growing up uh, the idea of sheltering your kids was and I don't know when it started I just know that when I was growing up it when people would say things like that it always had a negative connotation to it it was it was this connotation of your, your kids aren't going to be ready for the real world. Um, you know, you, you once they learn about these things or once they are exposed to these things, they're not going to know how to handle it and on and on and on. And I know that in my life, 100%, those warnings that people gave my parents were 100% untrue, that it didn't work out that way. And actually, it went the other way. The parents that were very liberal with their kids, the parents that exposed their kids to um certain forms of entertainment certain forms of media um allowing certain things into their home especially where education was concerned um those are the kids that walked away from any type of i would say christian morality yeah. into lives propagating what is immor- immorality and some of the things that we can look at the social contagion and and look at it and say the bible explains this in romans 1 yeah when you are exposed to sin and you give in to sin, it begets sin. Sin does not beget righteousness. Exposing someone or exposing yourself to sin at any level does not teach you how to be more faithful to Jesus Christ. It takes you down a stepladder of immorality, and Paul, in the first century, uses homosexuality Mm -hmm. as the descent into heinous evil. And he says God gave them over to a debased mind. And so when someone walks fully into that, it's not righteousness that's causing you to open your life up to that. And so even as a parent, you have to then kind of, sometimes biblically you need to kind of put things together, almost like a puzzle, and you have to realize that you are descending into immorality when you become numb to unrighteousness and you expose your children and feel comfortable exposing your children to more and more sexual deviancy. Now, we're, we
1: agree that eventually in this
0: culture, because I know you and I are, we are
1: aware of this stuff and exposed to it. So what we're saying here is, yes, you do need to inoculate your kids to the social contagion. Yeah, and, and, and I, and I, yeah go ahead. No, i was just saying you would need to inoculate them but you need to do that before you expose them to it. Yeah, but I would also
0: warn parents about exposing themselves yeah. uh, to forms of media Absolutely. that seek to normalize homosexuality, yes. seek to normalize transgenderism. Um, you know, in my life, I, I have cut myself off yeah. um, from forms of humor that that treat homosexuality lightly, right. that treat transgenderism lightly. There are certain shows, there are certain movies that it's not just that I don't let my kids watch those movies. I will not watch those movies. Um, there was a recent Marvel movie, that um, it's, it's The Eternals, and it sought to show a homosexual marriage, which is not marriage at all, in a normal light amongst one of these eternal characters because they're so far evolved past God. I've not seen the movie. I will not see the movie. Because I will not expose myself to anything that's going to numb me Mm -hmm. towards that type of sin. And so I'm not going to do that because that will lead me to then accept it, and that will affect my children. That's how these contagions work.
1: Yeah. yeah. You can't sit a 12-year-old down and say, okay, here's the truth. Now you're completely inoculated to the social contagion. Right, like it, it takes more time than that. And also the other thing before we move on I want to address is there is a difference between an adolescent mind and an adult mind. You're 100% – what you said is 100% right. It is in warping our own adult minds being constantly exposed to the normalization but of But I'm not as at risk. Not by – Huge percentages. And we just, like, again, I'll probably be saying this throughout. There are studies on this. There are secular studies on the developing adolescent mind and how much it is formed in um, those ages of the early teen years. And and the homosexual
0: uh, agenda is so rampant that there were respected um, scientists, medical doctors, surgeons, psychiatrists, at Johns Hopkins, which is a revered school that came out with a study about transgenderism in adolescence yeah. showing the mental insanity and the mental illness that takes place, doing that to a child where so many, once they their frontal lobe was fully formed in adulthood, yeah. they changed their minds completely, but the damage had already been done. Yeah. The puberty blockers had already been given. Some of them, the surgery had already taken place. And you've ruined their lives because you were foolish enough to think that a 12-year-old had enough common sense to choose what road they were going to walk down the rest of their lives. And it's foolishness. It's child abuse.
1: Exactly. All right. So with that kind of set as the introduction, we want to try to be helpful. How do parents protect their kids um, from gender insanity? And first thing we want to talk about is heteronormativity. Yeah,
0: I don't know when, I, when it was. I think I started talking. I th- I'm, one of us, uh, maybe it was me, I used that term in a parenting class. And heteronormativity is actually a term used by progressives in a pejorative manner against conservatives um, about what you shouldn't do. And I, I've tried to redeem it because I think it very well points out how I'm raising my kids, how I try to get everybody to raise their kids. You owe your kids heteronormativity. Your kids should be so saturated in a atmosphere and culture of knowing nothing but mothers and fathers in committed heterosexual monogamous relationships that it is a shock to their system when they find out that anything else exists so that they don't understand what exists and if you think it's foolish if you think this is something like oh my goodness how could you be you know you know so sheltering your kids like That was all we knew in the 80s. That was all we knew in the 90s. And so that was completely normal. Heteronormativity is healthy. The culture that is wicked, that is sinful, that is trying to destroy the nuclear family, and study after study has shown they're trying to do that, they're trying to get rid of heteronormativity so that everyone will be confused sexually and so that sexual deviance uh, can be accepted. Um, Heteronormativity is simple. Boys are boys. Girls are girls. Marriage is normal between a man and a woman. Anything else is not marriage. Men are supposed to be masculine. Women are supposed to be feminine. It is teaching your children what men and women are through example, but also just through biblical gender roles in the home,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and frankly, keeping them away from other gender norms. And so when the lesbian couple moves in down the street, or when the, the kinky, pe- kinky people across the road decide that they're going to be transgenders, yes, keep your kids away from them. They are sexual deviants. And the big thing that you need to know is there is not a giant leap, and I might catch flack for saying this, but there's not a giant leap from that form of sexual deviancy to pedophilia. Sin is a cascading stepladder that you keep going down, and once you accept one form of immorality, you will necessarily in a few years accept another form. Homosexuals and transgenders 10 years ago would have said pedophilia is evil. Now, it's getting a, it's, get, it's not fully accepted, but watch in 10 years. Watch what's going to happen if we continue to go down the road that we are going on. You have to shelter your kids from this, and you should be unapologetic. When people ask me, Steve, are you sheltering your children? I don't even bat an eye. Yep, because that's my job. If you don't shelter your kids, and I want you to hear me, if you're not sheltering your kids, you need to repent. You are in sin. If you're exposing your children to things that they cannot possibly understand, it's because of sin in your life. Kids should never be exposed to sexual perversion, ever. It is insane to think that you should send your child to a kindergarten class where they are going to talk about gender identity. That is absolute insanity. If you do not, let's say you find out that in the kindergarten class yesterday, the teacher went around asking people what their gender identity is. If you don't pull your kids out of that school that day, you have sinned against your children.
1: Yeah, And I'll just go ahead and add to that. That's true all the way till they're 18. Yep. It, it doesn't stop being true just because they're not five.
0: Yeah, and, and, if you, and if you laugh and say, oh, you're crazy, that's not happening. Go on Twitter, look at the handle, libs of TikTok. He posts teacher after teacher after teacher that flat out admits. And these are not one school system in Portland, Oregon. This is from all over the country. There are examples, even from the state of Virginia, where teachers are saying this is exactly what we're doing. And these are elementary school teachers.
1: So... Yeah. Just to piggyback on what you're saying, our kids deserve heteronormativity. They deserve throughout their entire adolescence to grow up in environments where it is just assumed that heterosexual marriage between a man and woman is how families are formed. And that is the foundation of society and nothing else really is understood to be normal. And that really is the key because we're just for clarification's sake, we're not ignorant knowing that our kids as they age will not become aware of, of dysfunction in the world. Of course they will, but, and this is really key, when they see it, we are they t- there to say, yeah, that's not normal. It is perversion. It's gross and it's not okay. But if they're continually saturated in environments where it is presented as normal, you know, that message from us as parents is quite confusing.
0: Yeah, a lot a lot of parents put their kids in losing situations. Because you, you, on one hand, and this this transcends this issue to so many issues, you tell your children they need to respect their teacher. But then, on the other hand, you tell them, but your teacher is woefully wrong on this issue, this issue, this issue, this issue.
1: Foundational things.
0: Yeah, and it's like, well, you're telling your kids to respect something that they can't respect. And your child cannot endure that. Their brains can't handle it. You have to make difficult decisions where this stuff is concerned for the sake of your child's really brain formation. Yeah.
1: Let's talk about the opposite of heteronormativity. And that is our culture now. And really the opposite of heteronormativity is an Mm anti-culture. It's a culture where if heteronormativity is not the norm, then that means anything else is the norm. And so you're left with a, a culture where basically there there is no authority from God dictating our gender, and so it, it's a free-for-all. And that ultimately is where the postmodern experiment was right. always going to go.
0: It, we're not at a place, you know, it's not the old philosophical adage, God is dead. It's now I am God. Yeah. And that's what standpoint epistemology is all about. Um, that is the postmodern deconstruction effort is for you to live your truth, and no one has more authority than your truth has. And so this is in just pervasive in the school system. That is not the real world. Right. The real world is God's world. Yeah, The real world is God's righteous vision for man and woman. This is a warped and sinful world. And that is not what we need to prepare our kids for. We need to prepare our kids for righteousness. We need to prepare our kids for godliness. We need to prepare our kids to have a vision for God's world for them yeah. to be able to walk out and endure the lies yeah. that they're going to be given in a culture overwhelmed by sin.
1: Yep. So I know I know we're harping on schools, but we're talking about kids. And school is a huge part of kids' life. so we have to talk about this. I think that one thing that is often misunderstood when I talk about LGBT insanity in the schools is, is people think that my concern is— for all the other non Christian kids in the school. And basically I don't want my kids to be around sinners. News flash for you. Here at church, my kids are around sinners. Yeah. If my kids are in a, a Christian school. They are sure around centers. If you Any... have
0: more than one kid, you <laughs> yeah. can homeschool them. They're going to be around yeah. sinners.
1: <laughs> yeah. That is not the issue when it comes to heteronormativity and raising up our, our kids. The issue is the authority and the leaders.
0: Culture isn't created by your peers. Culture is created by leadership. Yes.
1: And that is what is so important for parents to understand because they are in charge of that. In some, to, Now, you still are in charge of who your kids' peers are, and you need to be mindful of that. However, that even is somewhat out of your control because you can do your best and not know exactly what the peers mm-hmm. are doing, but you are in control of who the authority figures and leaders are in your kid's life. I want to make a statement. I made this statement in one of our man talks. I think it can be defended up and down in every which way. Your kids deserve, while they are kids, to never be in a place where anyone in authority calls sin good, much as it is up to you. Right. I don't think that you can argue with that statement. I think that is something every parent must, if they are a Christian parent committed to a Christian worldview, must subscribe to. Uh,
0: to argue against that is to abdicate your responsibility as a parent. And I don't think parents understand that. I, yeah. I, I don't. I, if you want to argue against us for whatever reason on this, it's just you're taking an indefensible position just because it's the one that you've chosen. Yeah. And just because you chose something doesn't mean you made the right choice. You have to be able to look at the decisions that you make in your life and say, did I make a good decision? And if you're unwilling to admit that you ever make bad decisions, you are unwilling to ever grow. You're unwilling to really take the responsibility that God has given you to first lead yourself. But if you can't lead yourself, how are you going to lead anybody else? Absolutely.
1: Um, To give us more specific examples, even though I think people know what we're talking about, though, it is unacceptable for any kid to be in a place where LGBT pride it's celebrated by authority figures. Mm-hmm. That is the celebration of sin. That's a line we as Christians can't cross. Yeah. We we're aware that we're around sinners, but authority figures cannot celebrate sin. Now, one thing that has often brought up to me is well, aren't we as adults don't we sometimes have authority figures that celebrate sin? I know a lot of people in our church work in office environments where their boss, you know, even puts pressure on them to to celebrate sin. And this is why we kind of started this conversation by saying kids and adults are not the same.
0: If you think that is apples to apples, you're crazy. Yeah. You have to, to be a mature person who can actually have hard conversations, you need to be able to understand the radical difference between a child and an adult. And if you can't understand the difference between being an adult working in a situation where your boss might be putting pressure on you and sending a child completely innocent, no authority over themselves whatsoever, into a situation where people are going to pressure them to celebrate sin... We're not being serious- we yeah. can't have a serious conversation, and there
1: is an issue of autonomy right like My, myself as an adult, I have the ability to make a conscious decision. I'm going to put myself under this authority figure that is doing something ungodly, knowing the effects that that might have and and I do that, but I also might make the decision not to do that, mm-hmm. which frankly is more the way I would lean. I'm going to do everything I can not to put myself under that position. Well, kids don't get that choice, and that's not fair. We weren't given the right. Make that choice for an adolescent to have um, ungodly authority
0: figures. Yeah. You have to do everything in your power to put your children in a situation as much, like I said, as much as it depends on you where they are around godly leaders 24 hours right. a day.
1: Let me throw in the qualification. Like we could qualify everything to the end, and we're not going to do that. We know there are situations where things are unavoidable. Right. We pastor hundreds and hundreds of people. We know more situations than you can probably think of. Yeah. So we're not uncaring about that. When I think about those situations, I'm thinking of real people. you know. And so we understand that. We are talking in generalities for what is true most of the
0: time. Some people are in a situation where they can't do what they need to do right now, but the question isn't, okay, I'm stuck. The question must be, okay, what do I need to change? Yeah. What do I need to start changing? And your unwillingness to make changes doesn't mean you're right. It just means that you are unwilling. That's, yeah. that's it. So
1: all these things that we have talked about,
0: we need to understand,
1: and this is kind of shocking when you think about the last few years, 2022 – is not 2015. Right. It's crazy to think about, but the situation on the ground is drastically different.
0: The speed by which culture is changing is so fast um, that there's, I don't think there's any way to really be prepared for how fast it's changing. Therefore, you need to be the one in absolute control.
1: You need to be aware of what's happening. I mean... I say some things that I just assume everyone's aware of. We're aware that our county school system had multiple public meetings last year telling everyone that they were going to promote LGBT right. stuff in school and encourage it.
0: No one's ignorant at this point. Everybody right. knows what they're going to do. And the question is so it's been the same question. Well, what's the line? Yeah. What's the line that that your principal has to cross for you to say enough is enough? What's the line that the school board has to cross where you say enough is enough? And I know some of you, you think that the answer is getting on those school boards. God bless you, uh, but it doesn't excuse the fact that what is is currently going on. And any changes that you can make at the school board level are going to take time that your children don't have. You can't make your children suffer because of the changes that you want to put in place. You have to deal with reality where it is right now. And we are at a place in our county where the school board has decided for all of our local schools that they are going to celebrate sexual deviancy and perversion. And that is what it needs to be called.
1: If a school is a safe place for sexual deviancy and gross perversion, to be celebrated, not even the fact that it's insane that we're talking about the sexualization of kids, and that's mm-hmm. okay. A whole other thing we could address. But if if the school is a safe place for that, it's not a safe place for your kid's faith.
0: And and you know, if you want to say, oh, you're using terms like sexual deviancy, well, I'm using biblical mindset to get there, but also understand that this has already borne fruit in northern Virginia, where a uh, young, perverted boy uh, used... A false gender identity as a ruse to rape multiple girls in school bathrooms and locker rooms. And the school system was so adamantly defensive about their celebration of perversion that they did not call the police about the rapes and they covered up the rape rather than protecting the children. You have to deal with the reality of what is actually going on in schools. You cannot pretend that these things aren't happening because they are. Our ch- our kids aren't safe.
1: Yeah. So first thing we're going to tell you to do, protect your kids from gender insanity. Get them away from any authority figure, any teacher, any administrator that promotes sin. That's just – kids should not be around that. But there's more to it than that. And oh. so I want to – Kind of continue thinking of other, other ways that we in our home yep. need to protect our kids um, from gender insanity. And the first thing is your kids, the first thing in that category is your kids don't need to have free access oh. <laughs> to g- gender insanity and sexual perversion. And what I'm talking about is internet and smartphones.
0: Yeah. It's a huge issue. Uh, there is no teenager, and I know some of you have already done this, you made a mistake. Walk it back. Feel my advice. That's what, you got to walk it back. But don't get mad at me because you made the wrong choice. No teenager needs a smartphone. No 12-year-old needs a smartphone. No 10, 9, 8. I'm seeing 8-year-olds with smartphones now. That is a gateway to pornography. 15-year-old boys are going to look for pornography. I didn't say look at. I said look for. They're going to try to find it. And it's your job to shelter them from that deviancy. Um, Your kids don't need a tablet that they can use in their bedrooms, that they can use at their friends' houses. They don't need these things. You have to guard your children. You say, well, they use it for school. Well, make them use it at the dining room table. Make them use it in the kitchen. Make them use the tablet there. You know, whatever it is that your kid plays games on, you have to make sure they are supervised the entire time that they're on it. Um, But the biggest problem that a lot of parents have there is, is most kids don't look at pornography for the first time in their own home. By and large, statistics tell us that most kids look at pornography while they're at a sleepover at somebody else's house. So what do you do there? Well, I say no to every invitation that my child has to a sleepover. I know too many stories. I've been told too many things um, to know what happens. If your kids are going to go play at somebody's house, you have to have a long conversation with those parents. It's not about trusting or not trusting those parents, it's about finding out what they allow their kids to do. You have to understand that it is your job to supervise your children all the time. Yeah.
1: That kind of brings brings up something I want to address, not in my notes. So give me, bear with me here, but parents take advantage of our wisdom as pastors from the amount of heartbreak and stories that we have had to walk through with people we care about deeply. Some of our opinions on these things are formed and I'm, I don't think this is wrong at all. I think this is righteous, are formed by the amount of people we have seen, you know, with wrecked lives and tragic stories. And I do think that is one of the gifts God gives to churches in the form of pastors that we, Hey, by, by part of the responsibility God has given us, we are in a lot of people's lives more than the average person. Mm -hmm. We take that information and wisdom and we're a little bit more aware of things that people need to be aware of. And we're trying to share that.
0: I did youth and college ministry for a number of years. And when I was doing college ministry, for the most part, Um, you end up talking to a lot of 18 and 19-year-olds. And the stories I would hear of how young men got addicted to pornography, but beyond that, um, how young men ended up being groomed on the Internet, um, ending up in chat rooms. And this is, of course, a few years ago. It's gone way beyond chat rooms now. Um, Kids were getting groomed, and that is why they had um issues with sexual identity yep. was because people had groomed them adults had taken advantage of them and it when you can't unknow these things mm-hmm. and so when you're exposed to this and you see the shattered life of a 19 year old young man who who's just trying to keep it together it really sobers you up to the power of sin that yeah. that it has in people's lives yep
1: so, look, cell phones, smartphones are porn portals.
0: They are- And let me also say, <laughs> the number one argument I hear yeah. from parents yeah. is that all their friends have cell phones and your kids feel left out. Okay. Yeah. Why is that the worst thing that could happen? Yeah,
1: and they won't feel left out if they have better friends. Yes. That's what we're trying to now, advocate for. Now, I will for.
0: say this is a battle that even in Christian schools, I know that there's a local Christian school, and the teacher, uh, I was told a story where the teacher one day said, all right, everybody pull out your, your phone to use the calculator or yeah. something on the phone. They blew it. What do you need to do? You need to go to the principal. You need to yep. go to that teacher. There is no reason that your kids, if you're paying tuition, which I went to a Christian yeah. school. Um, you would not believe how much more influence parents have in those schools than they do in public schools. Absolutely. You want to know why they have so much <laughs> so much influence? Because you're laying that cheddar down. As soon as you write a check, you have instant <laughs> influence in a place. And um, and I know because my parents had a lot of influence in my school. And you need to raise Kane. Let's yep. just say that. You need to raise Kane at that school, and you need to tell those people that they are equipping – the kids with porn portals yeah. in a christian school shouldn't be allowed yeah if i was running a school smartphones would not be allowed in the building absolutely and you know if it's about
1: peer pressure um if your kids want to be friends with my kids they're not going to have smartphones and my kids are pretty cool
0: and you know the old adage it worked on me my mom <laughs> used to look at me and said if if this kid jumped off of a bridge would you jump off of that bridge <laughs> right you know Advice like that really stuck with me and I was like, you know what? I do need to be smarter than morons. Yeah. You need to explain to your kids why other parents are bad parents.
1: It's unavoidable.
0: You're going to you're going to be put in that situation so you're going to have to do it. You need to be put it you need to put your kids and sit them down and explain to them you know little frederico and i'm trying to make up a name that nobody's gonna be like, he's talking about my child well little frederico you need to explain to your kid hey little frederico's parents are allowing him to do things that they shouldn't allow him to do and i love you more than that and if your kid shouldn't be friends with little frederico don't let your kids be friends with little frederico if being left out is not going to damage your children Pornography is going to damage your children. Yeah. It is. Yeah, and it's
1: one more thing to talk about, too. Is It's, it's not even just pornography. Uh, social media for <sighs> teens is grooming for gender insanity, and especially for girls. And that's where I think – so pornography is a serious issue for boys and girls, but I realize it's, it's a bigger issue for boys. The gender insanity on Instagram and TikTok – And other things that we don't even know about yet because we can't keep up with it. Way worse for girls. It's a really serious thing.
0: Uh, Yeah. I mean, body dysmorphia is a huge problem. And part of what we're dealing with with gender identity is if girls are starting to feel unpretty. Mm -hmm. So if they will just mess with their gender identity a little bit, they might feel a little better looking. And predators are using Instagram to make comments to send direct messages. They're using TikTok to sneak pornography in. And your kids are able to use these devices more than you are able to use them. Your children shouldn't have social media. Your children shouldn't be um, looking at unfiltered Internet uh, stuff. I mean, you, you just have to be careful.
1: It's so serious. I mean, if you, need,
0: you need to convince your child that you love them so much And that you are so trustworthy. And we talk about this a lot. Half the problem that parents have is their kids don't like them. Your kids don't think you're fun. Your kids don't think you've got it together. Your kids look at your life. You make terrible decisions. Uh, You're a basket case. You're in debt up to your eyeballs. They, They know that things aren't going well. And so your kids don't trust you. Your kids need to trust that you have their best interests at a heart. I have to tell my kids no sometimes, and they wish I would say yes to those things. But they accept my no Ooh. because they know that I'm going to give them the goods. They know that I'm giving them a good life, a happy life, a joy filled life. They know that I love yeah. them. They trust yeah. that I'm going to take them somewhere better. Yeah. then someone else is going to take them. Yeah, that's
1: important. I think we need to put a bookmark on that and make that a, a podcast sometime yeah. soon because we are giving a lot of don't do this, and we have to, but you have to earn the equity with your kids to do that, and so we need to talk about that more. Um, one last thing on the phone thing because I just hear it so much. It's such a dumb excuse. My kid needs to text me to get picked up or whatever. You're You're aware there are phones that only text and call. You're aware of this. We're not saying that you can't when your kid's 14, 15 and has a legit need for that, get them that kind of phone. Yeah.
0: If you've <laughs> got to go to Walmart and buy them the jitterbug, <laughs> right. Just, you know, the fine. sixty-five and over phone, okay. Yeah. If you if you know, if there's a phone that can only call two phone numbers, get that phone. Yeah. Because they can, they can call you, they can call the mom. Yeah, there that's are, all they need.
1: There are solutions here. All right. Another way to protect your kids, do not accept flawed premises and teach your kids to reject flawed premises when it comes to gender insanity. So this is just getting into worldview formation a little bit, but one thing that I see a lot, and it is the way it's crept into adults even, is accepting the flawed premise of sexual orientation. It's a fraud. Yeah, it's a complete fraud. It doesn't exist, and we need to understand why.
0: People can make stuff up. Do you know this? People can lie. People can say something is that isn't. People break what's <laughs> called in philosophy the law of non-contradiction all the time. People will pretend that a circle is a square. People will pretend that you can be a married bachelor. You know, uh, and that, that, that's from Alvin Plantinga, but people will pretend that a lie is the truth. And as a Christian, and as a parent especially, it's our job to ensure that our kids don't buy the fraud. They don't yeah. buy the lie. So
1: you need to make sure you're not buying it. Yeah. I know there are lots of people at our own church who are, whether they could formulate this you know, coherently, are buying the lie that orientation exists. It does not. There is no such thing as sexual orientation. God has made every person heterosexual. Now, are we saying that people don't have sin and proclivities to sin so that causes them and also pain in their lives, abuse, which we're not allowed to talk about that anymore, but Mm -hmm. abuse that has led to um, warped brains that desire the opposite sex. Of course that exists, but it is not an ingrained orientation. Mm -hmm. And we need to be firm on that. You need to learn about that if you don't know about that. But the reason for that is you need to instruct your kids That there's no such thing.
0: And we need to be honest enough to call mental illness mental illness. Uh, Really important. When we're talking about things like the fact that sexual orientation is a fraud and all these things, yet so many people are convinced that it's true, Mm -hmm. we need to understand it's because mental illness is is prevalent. There is such thing as gender dysphoria, and it shouldn't be celebrated. It should be treated as the mental illness that it is. Transgenderism is a mental illness. And the hard truth that people need to accept and realize, so is homosexuality. Yeah. It is a mental illness. We need to react appropriately. You know, it's a great question to ask. How would you let seriously mental ill people interact with your kids? Yeah. How how would you do that? Well, you, you wouldn't give them carte blanche. You wouldn't give them any authority over your children. And right now in society, we have a social contagion of mental illness. Yeah. All this leads
1: to the reality that I think because of all these pressures in society, uh, parents have to proactively protect their kids' understanding of gender. That's right. And so things that in the past could have been relatively harmless uh, even 10 years ago are not harmless anymore. And so we got to be wise. What am I talking about? I'm talking about things as simple, and we've both taken flack for this, your boys need to play with boys' toys. That's right. Your girls need to play with girls' toys. And you need to be a little bit more proactive and care about that more than something that, frankly, in 1995 was probably less of a big deal. It's a mm. big deal now because of the cultural insanity surrounding our kids.
0: There is an outright mission, culturally speaking, of certain people that are deviant. They're trying to condition your children to accept the prevailing lie of culture and you need to protect your kids from that.
1: As your kids get older, this matters more. And so I'm just going to say some things that I really think parents need to take heart with. You need to be more proactive about keeping your boys away from effeminate things. Mm -hmm. Things that, again, in the past may have been more okay, you need to be more careful about. Um, Does your son really need to be in the glee club? It's a really dangerous place boys now just be really honest about it that. Is. How, how is your daughter presenting herself and we're just, look i'm talking about some frank things now in 1995 it was a lot less dangerous for a girl to be a tomboy i'm not don't hear what i'm not saying we're not saying it's not okay or for girls to be athletic and to be more uh inclined to enjoy those kind of things but you as a parent need to be much more careful that your daughter appreciates femininity because the culture is coming for her. Yeah. One of the biggest things you see right now, uh and you you brought it up earlier with social media is uh young girls moving towards androgyny because they get these conflicting messages about mm-hmm. you know, are they pretty enough and who they are? And so you need to be very careful that your daughter is not picking up the culture and starting to dress and present herself androgynous. That happens in You know, even preteen ages. And so we got to be much more protective about these things now uh, than, frankly, we had to be even 10 years
0: ago. If you don't get a handle on this, your kids are going to believe the lies of gender ideology, and it's going to destroy lives. Is it going to destroy all the lives? Because somebody's going to be like, oh, my kids are fine, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. But the ends don't justify the means. Just because you ignored it, just because you let whatever into your house and everything seems to be okay right now, it doesn't mean anything. We have a responsibility to follow God's word. We have a responsibility to raise young men, to raise young women, to live and glory in the original created design.
1: Yeah. What we are facing right now is the pull of the culture. Again, I'm going to go back to the very beginning. Forty percent of Gen Z Mm -hmm. is a very good study, um, is identifying as LGBT. The pull of culture is taking things that were innocent in years past and pulling kids towards ruining their lives through sexual deviancy, mental illness, and confusion. And so... We have to be on guard to protect our kids from that and to give them the truth of what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? And that that's God's good design for them.
0: There's so much more that we need to talk about here, and we've got so much more to talk about here. But I think that's a good stopping point for today. Let's put a plug in it. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. I know many of you have been in, tens of you, have been anticipating the return of the Converge podcast. We're back. Uh, We're going to make more content for you over the coming year. We are so thankful that you came with us, and we pray that you will seek to live out God's design even in a non-Christian culture. Hey, do us a favor. Leave a five-star review on whatever podcast app you use, and maybe leave a little review. That helps us get the word out. You owe us that much. See ya.